Hello and welcome back to the True Blue Sporting Podcast and the weekly review of all things Australian sport. In today's episode, we're going to be covering, covering a whole heap of sports, from the NRL to the AFL, the soccer qualifications for the World Cup, Cricket, the Australian versus Pakistan test series is now over and it's been won and won, uh, run and won. The tennis, F1, as well as boxing. So a lot to cover in this episode. This is going to be the new format for the podcast moving forward as I'm feeling that it's straying away from what this podcast was meant to be and that is true blue Australian sporting content. So we'll start off with the NRL and with the NRL, we're still going to recap every single game in the round, as that is my main sport. On the Thursday night, the St. George Illawarra Dragons were defeated at home by the Cronulla Sharks. And wasn't this a masterclass from um, Nico Hines and the Cronulla side? They're starting to hit their strength. Um, hit their strides um, in the early part of the season and strengthening their credentials to make the top eight. St. George, well, they went back to their old ways of 2021 post-barbecue gate, and it was very disappointing to see after two very positive performances in round one. Yes, the conditions played a part, but that's no excuse for the performance which they put out. Jaden Sewer for the second week in a row was sin-binned, and he's starting to get a tag from the officials um, and, you know, shots from him now are being looked at more closely and he's spending a lot more time on the sideline, which is only impacting his side. So he needs to change his ways, but not change his ways in terms of not being aggressive. Because when he is aggressive and goes up and hard at the, def- at, at the offense, his defense is exceptional. On Friday, the Tigers played the Warriors, and this was a frantic and scrappy game. Jeez, these Tigers are starting to... Um, not starting to, these geez, these Tigers are struggling and they are currently rock bottom of the Telstra Premiership. They just look really disappointing. No leadership and no control in the last 10 minutes when the Warriors were down to 12 men. They just weren't able to take advantage. During that 10-minute period, they dropped the ball four times. They didn't complete a set and their completion rate was something like 5 out of 10 in the last 10 minutes of that game. The Warriors, they scrapped their way to their first win. Weren't impressive, but it was more of the Tigers just being incapable and incompetent to get the job done. And I think this um, game is quite potentially a wooden spoon matchup. And the Tigers, they are just strengthening for that spoon and shortening in price for that spoon for mine. They just lack general. They lack the general. They missed Jackson Hastings on the weekend as he was suspended. Um a big blow as well, Stefano Utacamano is now out for 10 weeks. Their best forward, in my opinion, and they're going to seriously struggle without him. And Dewey doesn't come back till about round 10 to fix those woes. Um, so big, big question marks about the Tigers moving forward. And I can't see anything but a wooden spoon at the moment with the way they are playing. Friday night, what a blockbuster this was. The South Sydney Rabbitohs did defeat the Sydney Roosters in the, um, the derby. And what a contest it was. Bunny's masterclass. They have returned to form. Latrell Mitchell, Cody Walker, and Damian Cook were exceptional. But I want to say special mention to their captain, Cameron Murray. I said that Cameron Murray had to stand up in this contest. It was his first derby as captain. And didn't he stand up 
almost laying on every single try. It seemed when South Sydney scored that Cameron Murray had his handprints all over it. And this was a coming of age for Cameron. Everyone's talking about Latrell, and Latrell was exceptional against his former club, really righting the wrongs of the last time that they encountered each other. But Cameron Murray, he was something else on that night. He was exceptional and just a real true captain's knock. The Sydney Roosters, I think they just tried a little bit too hard. The likes of Tedesco, Kiri, and Walker, they just tried to push the envelope, tried to play the attacking and free brand of football, which they are so well known for, but they just weren't able to do so and execute it um, in this game. Uh, I'm not worried about the Roosters moving forward. Uh, it's When you come up into a derby, it's just emotionally who's up for it, and I think South Sydney were up for it, and they've been up for it for four in a row now. That's four wins for South Sydney in the Crosstown rivalry. And it's the first time since 74-75 which is, uh, since they have done that. So they are in a rich vein of form against the arch enemy in the Sydney Roosters. Cody Walker returned back to his best. And it was the likes of Cook and Ilias running the ball. Those two ran the ball on the weekend, which allowed Cody more time, more space with the football. And he was back to his scintillating best. So South Sydney moving forward. They're not up there with the contenders, but they're slowly working their way towards that with the last 15 minutes against Melbourne and then the um, game against the Roosters. They're starting to get back to their best and what um, they should be doing and their attack was like, what their attack was like last year. So South Sydney starting to look good, but the Roosters, no problem for concern for mine. This game was interesting. It was the uh, top two sides from the opening rounds. The Penrith Panthers, they defeated the Newcastle Knights. 38 points to 20, and it's starting to become next man up for Penrith. The winger, Tylan May, three tries for the Panthers, replacing Brian Toto. And it just seems to be in that system now. They've created a system where it doesn't matter who's in it, a role is able to be done. Uh, Nathan Cleary has obviously been out, and he's back next week. But Sean O'Sullivan, to start the season, he's been exceptional. No Fisher-Harris, uh, no Liam Martin. No Brian Toto, but they still get the job done. That is just proof. The proof is in the pudding with Penrith. Everyone, they have been talking for years about the catchment area that they've got out there, that the junior system they've got out there, and it's starting to become, uh, starting to come to fruition when the likes of Nathan and Fisher-Harris are off the field. They have people that are able to come in and fill the role. It's starting to become an extremely scary system, and is pushing the Melbourne system to be the best in the country. Barnett, now what a disgusting act this was. I just, uh, I can't fathom it from Mitch Barnett. Uh, it's, I'm almost lost for words. You can't, when a, def uh, when a lead runner runs through the line, get out of the way. He sticks his elbow up, connects flush on the chin. He didn't miss him. He got him flush on the chin. And rightfully, uh, rightfully so, he was sent off. Like, it's just a horrible act. It shouldn't be on a football field, that's for sure. Um, you know, you question what's going through his mind in that occasion, where he's just like, oh, yep, I'm going to go and do this. So um, Mitch Barnett, he's going to spend a lot of time on the sideline. Um, 
and so he should. He's got a lot of things to think about. And, you know, Adam O'Brien said in the press conference that he isn't going to sit there and bag him publicly, but I'm sure there'll be some stern words behind closed doors from the coach of Newcastle towards Mitch Barnett because ultimately it went a long way in costing Newcastle, um, you know, the, not this game, but a very solid performance. I thought Newcastle were good in defeat. Um, it was close uh, for the majority of the game, but then Penrith pushed out towards the end of it. Melbourne and the Parramatta Eels. Now, this was a high-quality game, end-to-end, attacking football, what we'd love to see. And it took a Ray Stone try in extra time to break the deadlock. Mitchell Moses, field goal, missed. And it's a great lesson for all young footballers to never give up on a play. Ray Stone pushed up. Everyone else was sitting on their heels, but he took the initiative to take the game on. And didn't he do that? Taking the game on, scoring a try, and doing his ACL in the process. So we wish him the very best of luck moving forward with his recovery before he links up with Wayne Bennett at the Redcliffe Dolphins next year. Um... Dylan Brown, a great performance from him. I thought he took this game by the scruff of the neck, and it's good to see. That's the next stage in Parramatta and Dylan Brown's development. You know what you're going to get from Moses and Gutherson. You're going to get consistent performances. But now, if you've got Dylan Brown able to take the game away from oppositions, that's only going to add another element to their attack. Defensively, he has always been solid. But question marks for me this season were going uh, moving forward was his attacking prowess, and doesn't he have that attacking prowess with that performance on um, Saturday night? Parramatta, they're starting to strengthen themselves as premiership contenders this season. They're looking good. Um, But the thing is, it's the same thing as it has been for round round one and round two, defence. You know, they did concede 24 points um, against a side like Melbourne, and usually Melbourne don't let you score 28 points. So, moving forward, they're going to have to work on this. But, you know, Parramatta, they've got um, ways to improve. And that's different to Parramatta at the start of the season. Usually we're talking about how good they are, but they've still got some room for improvement, which is only going to be beneficial for them moving forward. Melbourne, they're just they're just Melbourne. You know what you're going to get from them. You know the performance you'll get next week. Melbourne, good in defeat. Um... It was a great performance. Unfortunately, one side did have to lose it. Um, but yeah, you just the effort on the final play to get back there. Was there the urgency? Obviously not as much urgency as Ray Stone, but you know, if, if that's being extremely critical on the Melbourne side who um, you know, sent the game to extra time through a Ryan Pappenhausen try. Um, so a great game of footy. Probably the game of the round for mine. This... The Canberra Raiders, weren't they in a spot of bother at home against the Gold Coast Titans, who were up 22-0 right before halftime? But 24 unanswered points from the Raiders saw them claim the victory at home and remain undefeated in Canberra. Gold, um, Gold Coast, it's the inexperience which impacted them on Saturday night. You know, when Canberra was starting to mount that comeback, they didn't have that person who was able to you know, kick the ball out of touch, kick it long into a dead corner and just relax and calm everyone down. They didn't have that. Um, and that's what impacted them for mine. They didn't have someone to game manage, I guess you could say, for the last period. And it's not going into a defensive mindset, being up 22-0 and thinking to defend the victory, but it's saying, okay, the momentum's against us. We need to change it. What do we need to do? They didn't have anyone to do that. 
but Canberra, geez, they're a tough team to pick this year. A horrible start to the game. They only completed about 50% in the first 30 minutes. But they fought hard. Jack White, extremely impressive in that second half, took the team on his back and drove them down the field and was influential in this comeback. Tino Fasuamala'awi was massive in defeat. I said in my preview that he needs to be massive for them to claim victory. He was big and he was sensational, but it just wasn't enough for the Gold Coast Titans. So Gold Coast Titans got a bit of work to do um, as they continue to leak points this season. Um, Attacking-wise, there's no issue for the Gold Coast. They look fantastic with the likes of Sexton, Brinsman and uh, Campbell, but they just need that control, that poise when the game's on the line to get it done, and they didn't have that. They scrambled towards the end and panicked a lot. The Cowboys and the Broncos, another derby, and this was an absolute shock as the um, the Cowboys absolutely annihilate the Brisbane Broncos. In this matchup, it was the stars which differentiated the two, the likes of um, Valentine Holmes, Jason Taumalolo. They stood up, whereas Katoni Staggs had a very poor game, and Adam Reynolds, two key mistakes after halftime, which allowed um, which allowed Cowboys to come into their half and then post points later on. Um, for the Cowboys, a really impressive performance from Chad Townsend. He was brought up there to be the man and control that side, and didn't he do that? A fantastic job in victory and in his first um, derby between the two clubs. Jeremy Nanai, what um, a game it was from him. The first back row to score a hat-trick in the derby, in the Queensland derby. Um, Tommy Dearden up against his former side as well was a very good performer with three tries. So Cowboys, they're slightly... Um, many people had them tip for the spoon, including myself, but they're quietly um, moving their way towards um, the off that bottom spot they've claimed two wins now and they're playing very good football and defensively they are very very solid and that's the key that's what Peyton was talking about the big reason why he went with drink water over Dearden was the defense and it's showing so everyone was questioning why he would do that but the proof is in the results and that's with two victories and only conceding a couple of tries in each of those matches for the Brisbane Broncos I think it was a bit of expectation, and they struggled. Um, obviously, as I said, Katoni Staggs, he was poor. Um, Reynolds, key mistakes. But I think they're going to bounce back. You know, they're, those two players are too good not to bounce back from poor performances. And it's a learning curve for the new um, Brisbane side. They are still relatively young, and they've still got a lot, of, um, a lot to learn in regards to um, rugby league and week in, week out. Um, NRL football. The final game of the round was the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs up against the Manly Seagulls, and the weather played a big part in this contest. Um, as it became a bit of a, a dour affair, I wouldn't say it was um, exciting and thrilling, but it was a contest which um, was only separated by a daily Cherry Evans field goal. Uh, 13 points to 12, Manly were victorious. Um, Manly, they've got a long way to go for mine. Um, I have not been impressed within the first three rounds. I think they've been quite average. Uh, people were expecting them to put a number on the Bulldogs, including myself. Um, but they're just not... They don't have that strike and that um, that they did last year. Although they are um, 
people were talking about Tom Trebojevic and his numbers, and he obviously isn't having the try assist and the um, try scoring season he did last year, but he was influential out of the backfield, and his uh, tackle one, tackle two carries are his real strength this year, and they always have been his strength, which has allowed him to be so successful on the flanks um, and setting up his wingers and centers. He's just so good out of yardage, and um, you know he's been he's been really big for Manly in the first couple of rounds. Not um, in terms of putting points on, but getting them to the spots on the field which they which they need to be. But other players in that team need to follow him. It's too long that they've been reliant on Turbo, and now that pe- teams are starting to focus on Turbo and shut him down, someone's got to um, stand up and change the way they attack. So a lot of work to do for Manly for mine if they want to be where they were last year and then go forward. Obviously, a prelim final last year. So they'll want to be going much better in season 2022. And for uh, the Bulldogs, defensively, they were impressive. You know, they they contained Manly, a very good attacking side to 12 points, but they've still got a long way to go in attack. They're clunky. They're, um, they're not as sharp as other sides in the competition, but that's okay with the new spine, obviously. Burton coming from Penrith, Wakeham played um, on the weekend, and it's his first game with um, Matt Burton. So they haven't played together, so it's going to take some time for that combination to work. It was an interesting choice to drop Jake Avrilo, but um, from the side, as he had played all preseason with Burton and only got two first grade games, and they were two and two, they they were one and one, so they had one one lost one, and they decided to change their half back. I don't know what that decision um, means or, or why that would be made, but Barrett did it, and unfortunately for them, they were unsuccessful. So that's that's the NRL done. Uh, to recap, Cronulla beat the Shar- uh, Cronulla beat the Dragons. The Warriors defeated the Tigers. Souths beat the, their crosstown rivals in the Roosters. Panthers remained the only undefeated team against Newcastle. The Eels beat Melbourne in extra time. The Canberra Raiders had a 22-point comeback against the Titans. The Cowboys annihilated their crosstown rivals, the Broncos, and Manly defeated the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs by a point. Now, moving on to AFL and what a moment it was on Friday night at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Lance Buddy Franklin kicked his 1,000th goal and it was a moment to savour and a moment which is edged in history, not just AFL history, but Australian sporting history. The images and the photos of everyone storming onto the field um, is sensational. I've never seen anything like it um, in any sporting arena anywhere obviously it's very traditional in the afl for milestones um obviously they did it for lockett when he kicked um the most goals in history but he has experienced it before when he kicked 100 goals in a season so it has been done before but we'll never see anything like it again obviously in COVID times and moving forward with the um the way that the afl is being played no one's going to kick a thousand goals ever again if you look at who's kicked them They've all been um, in an era where one-on-one defending was pivotal and Buddy's been able to do it in a zone defence. So it's been a sensational effort for Buddy to kick a 1,000 goals. Some of the scenes that came out of it, though, how fu- how funny were they? Three players on the other side of the field, Chad Warner and Ollie Florent, on, um, had nowhere else to go. They had to leave the SCG to make it back to the sheds. Chad Warner, obviously the one who kicked... 
um, the border buddy for his 1,000th. So he didn't get the opportunity to celebrate him with him until they got back into the sheds, which he had to leave the SCG to get back to. Um, and some of the scenes all over social media, getting out there, running onto the um, field to be in that moment with um, Buddy was was fantastic and uh, we'll never see it again. I want to say, mention also, the bloke who took the mark in the, the um, ground, obviously everyone would have wanted the ball, uh, which was Buddy's 1,000 kick. What a mark it was. He, he rised over 20, 30 people and um, went over about four rows, but he got the ball and he tells a good story. He goes out and he... Um, he took the ball out onto the field. Now, if, if I was there and I knew the ball was out on the field, I'd be trying to get um, get it because you, you knew what you could get from it. This bloke, he, he got rorted. Um, what he could have got for the ball from the Swans, um, at the end of the day, he got he got a couple signed jerseys and a, um, a couple signed jerseys and five years of Swans membership. Now, if you look what the bloke in America got for um, Brady's milestone. Um, touchdown he got something like 50k so if i'm the bloke that took the mark i'm feeling a bit short change if i had heard that um and would have used that to um negotiate with the swans but nevertheless it's good that the ball has gotten back to buddy he's able to keep it put it away in his pool room and obviously that be a memento for a moment that which he is never going to forget and that the australian sporting public is never going to forget if we look at um the under some of the undefeated teams um, in the AFL, obviously the Swans they were victorious against Geelong, which pushed them to two and zero. But Carlton, Collingwood, Hawthorne, all undefeated with new coaches. Now, what does that say? That it says that the coaches going in, McRae, um, Voss, and Mitchell, they're going in and they're getting their systems put into place right away, and everyone's bought in. That's the big thing when a new coach comes to the club. Everyone needs to buy into the system, and they are doing exactly that. And they're playing some good footy, um, all of those sides. Obviously, uh, Carlton Collingwood, they play a very interesting contest um, this weekend to see who will remain undefeated between those two sides. And if you said Collingwood and Carlton, well, one of those sides after round three will be undefeated, you probably would have been laughed at unless you were a Collingwood or Carlton supporter. And even then, you probably would have as well. So, um, moving on to the cricket and the test match between Australia and Pakistan. And finally, there was a result between these two nations as Australia had won the last and third test um, between the two sides, which means they win the series and bring the title back home. Obviously, it's not a big title, Um like the Ashes, but it's a very important series win for this crop of Australian Test match cricketers. Usman Khawaja, he was the clear standout and the man of the series. 496 runs at an average of 165 and with 200s, 250s and 290s in that. A sensational series from Usman Khawaja. And it was like he had just returned home to Pakistan and was like, I'm going to do it for me. I'm going to do it for my people and do it for my family. And it was a sensational performance from him. And so good to see that he is doing what he is doing since coming back into the test match side um, from uh, in the fourth test in the Ashes. And it's crazy to think, we may have never seen this version of Woolsey, this this dominant batsman, if Travis Head didn't get COVID out of the Boxing Day test match. So... If Travis um, Travis Head's COVID um, 
diagnosis is a blessing in disguise for this Australian cricket team, I believe, because just Usman Khawaja coming back in and playing the way which he's playing is sensational and really looking forward to where um, he is going to go and how his cricket is going to develop. This Australian side, they're starting to go from strength to strength. Um, they brought in Mitch Swepson for this series. He did a decent job with the ball. Stark and Cummins, didn't they get the ball reversing at times in this series and looking absolutely dangerous? And it was a contest between bat and ball. What we finally are, we were wanting for two test matches, we finally got that in the final one. And they were like, and it was like that the Pakistan groundsmen and the Pakistan cricketing board, it, was, it felt like they were producing pitches um, which would ensure that they don't lose. And that's a negative mindset if they're to continue playing test matches in Pakistan. You've got to win test matches at home. And if you're an Australian cricket side, you've got to win series away from home to prove that you are one of the greatest um, great Australian cricket sides. And this side is doing exactly that. This series now transitions from uh, red ball to white ball. So Australia are now in a white ball series against Pakistan. So I'll keep you updated on that and how that goes. And in the Women's World Cup, our Aussies are in the semi-final as we speak. And they are playing some incredible cricket at the moment with the likes of... Um, Alyssa Healy up the top of the order. She is playing superbly. Meg Lanning um, leading that side as well as she always does. So we are playing some incredible cricket, um, both on the male and the female side of the bat and the ball. Moving on to soccer, unfortunately for our Australians, we had a tough 2-0 loss to Japan in the 89th and stoppage time. Two goals towards the end of the game, which saw us Cost, which cost us automatic qualification to Qatar in 2022. This means we've got to go the long way around. But it's not the first time we've gone the long way around to qualify for the World Cup doing it in 2018. So we need to... Uh, we have locked up third position in our group, which means we will play off against third place in the other group, which is um, undetermined at the moment. So they'll play. Obviously, there's a, another... Uh, match in the international break before that's determined and then we will play them off with the winner them playing a South American team so it's going to be extremely tough for our Aussies to go through to the World Cup but they've done it before um, and you can never know in this um, format who's going to come out and how well they're going to perform so we're hopefully still we're still a chance for qualification to the World Cup but it's going to be extremely hard and we're going to have to go the long way about it now, if we look at the tennis, um, the ATP Tour, it's made its way over to America. And Nick Kyrgios and Thanasi Kokonakis, they are playing some incredible tennis at the moment, and they are doing it on the in um, the singles court. Both of them have qualified for the fourth round of the Miami Open. Nick Kyrgios dispatched of the number eight seed, Casper Ruth in only 52 minutes. So he is playing scintillating tennis. And this follows up an impressive run for Nick at Indian Wells. He seems to be in a really good headspace at the moment. And it's transferring onto the tennis court. I think the doubles victory with Thanasi has uh, really helped him uh, refine that love for tennis. And he's just enjoying his tennis. It's so good to see Nick um, in this way. And... It's so good for Australian tennis. Obviously, Ash Barty's now retired, so who's going to be the driving force for the tennis um, 
community here in Australia, people would question if Nick is that man. But if he's playing tennis like he is and staying out of trouble, there's no reason why he cannot be um, because he is um, sensational when he is on fire and he's currently catching fire. And who knows, he may push towards um, the Miami Open title. Boxing, it was a... um, Great contest on um, Sunday Australian time with Tim Zhu making his American debut against Terrell Gachet um, from America, Cleveland, Ohio. And Zhu, it was an absolute war for him in his debut. Knocked down in the first round. He got the wobbly boot and personally I thought he was in trouble but he just... He took the shot, he composed himself, and then he worked and worked and worked into an absolute war, and he stuck there with him, and he got impressive. He got more impressive and more relaxed as the fight did go on. Thought he had a knockdown in the fourth round, didn't get it, but he was delivering the shots which he needed to get results. Went to points, and he won it by unanimous decision. 114 to 113, one judge had it, the other judges had it 116 to 111 and 115 to 112. So pretty convincing in the end, but definitely not um, the improvements in performance which we are used to from Tim Zhu. We're used to seeing him go from strength to strength to strength in his fights. This is probably the first flight where he hasn't um, made a significant leap from where he was in his previous fight, but are still a very good performance and he has now won a guaranteed world title fight um, when the current um, unification match is over he will get the winner of that match and um, fight for a world title which is great for Australian boxing considering we already have a world champion in George Cambosis um, who is bringing that title back to Australia to defend it later on in the year. And we will cover that on the True Blue Sporting Podcast as well. But he moves to 20-0, Tim Zhu, um, an absolute fighter, an absolute warrior, uh, remains undefeated, although it wasn't all smooth sailing. But I think if you were, you were to ask him, he would absolutely love it that way. He loves a war. He loves getting down and dirty and getting the job done. And he did exactly that. The Saudi Arabia, uh, Saudi Arabia Grand Prix took place on um, in the early hours of Monday morning. And um, for our Australian, Daniel Ricciardo, it wasn't a very... It wasn't a good race at all. He failed to complete the race due to an engine failure. Um, and this follows a very disappointing uh, performance in the Bahrain Grand Prix, Grand Prix um, for him as well. So not the best start for Daniel Ricciardo and McLaren. Um but yeah, you know, Daniel Ricciardo, he is a great driver. And it, if they can sort out the issues which they are having as a team at the moment, then there is no doubt that he can return to his scintillating best. Verstappen overtook Leclerc in the um, last five laps of the race to claim his first victory after a failure in the Bahrain Grand Prix as well. So Verstappen hits back at Leclerc. It's looking like it's going to be a 1-2 battle for them for the individual world championship. And Ferrari have extended their constructed championship lead with a uh, second and third place finish with Carlos Sainz rounding out the podium, which was Verstappen, Leclerc, and Sainz. Hamilton finished in only 10th spot. Not the best start for Mercedes and Hamilton this year. Um, they were pushing for the constructors and individual and drivers' world championship last year, but they aren't um, as fast as the Red Bull and Ferrari car this year. They are. Um, got a lot to work to do but it is early it is early on in the season and plenty of time to do that 
Interesting to note that six drivers failed to finish the race. Um, so yeah, that's just a, a, a nice little thing. Not a nice little thing, but an interesting thing to note and to think about. Six drivers, that's that's almost half the grid, um, failed to complete the race. Um, and obviously Daniel Ricciardo was one of those in our Aussies. Um, that's all we've got time for. So that is a pretty lengthy episode covering the NRL, AFL, um, the Australian tour of Pakistan in the test matches is now over. The Australian soccer team, uh, they've got a lot of work to do before um, qualifying and going to Qatar in 2022. Nick and Thanasi are playing some scintillating tennis at the moment. Tim Zhu remains undefeated and the F1 Saudi Arabian Grand Prix has been completed. So thanks for joining me on the True Blue Sporting Podcast. I'll see you later on in the week to preview everything going on in Australian sport on the weekend.